Well, you know what they say. A rolling bird gathers no cake. What? It's Schmanners. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's Extraordinary Etiquette. For Ordinary Occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? You know, how are any of us? How? What is good anymore? (laughs) What does it mean? I woke up. I'm here. Yeah. I'm recording a show with my wife, who I love. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Uh, Mm-hmm. Me too. I have my health. Yeah. And I have... Uh, that huge pile of gold I buried in the backyard. No, you don't. What? What happened to my gold? <laughs> We're married. I took it. Oh, man. That's okay. I wasn't going to do anything with it. I know. <sighs> <laughs> hey. Yeah? Do you want to talk about some more idioms? Do I ever? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So it's really funny because uh, right before this, right, we we usually open with a joke. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> you said, "Name any idiom." Yeah, and I was I like the third uh, idiom. Uh, it took <laughs> a minute and a half for either one of us to think of another. It's a, it's a, I blame it on the on the on the spot. I put you on the spot. Well, but also here's the thing, right? We use idioms constantly. Does anyone know what any of them mean? I mean, we do now because this is our fifth episode yeah. of idioms. But like, I I just think about when I when I read these shows, I'm like, I don't even know what does that mean. Well, I'll tell you the the reason that. I had the idea to start doing this series is because I think the reason it was so hard for us to think of one is we use them, we use idioms in such a way that they don't seem out of the ordinary, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not like um, like a portmanteau, right, is like something you intentionally make or recognize, right? Like, yes. Whereas an idiom is so commonplace that sometimes you don't even realize you're using. This happens now with BB, where we'll be talking to her and we'll say something and she'll be like, what does that mean? And it's like, oh, yeah, uh, I didn't even think about the fact that that makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> and so I wanted us to start looking into, like, we say these things all the time. We use them all the time. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. are we actually saying? Mm-hmm. Now, did we end up with any international idioms this time? Um. Well, we we need some more. We need send some more, you okay. guys. Okay, it's still coming, folks. It's still coming. But um, so there are a couple of ones that, like, are um that are are a little more complicated than we thought. <laughs> oh boy. So drop that knowledge on me. Well, like I said it's all Drop that hot juicy knowledge. Um okay. So here's a Filipino idiom. Um our friend I Quemfin Okay. sent in um oh man. Nana Lingang Punad. Pun Pugad. Nana Lingang Pugad. Okay. 
uh, which roughly translated is someone who is looking up at a nest. Okay. And it is used uh, when a person would court, go a, go a courtin'. Uh-huh. Um, Much like Froggy. Mm-hmm. Froggy went a courtin', and he did ride. And uh-huh. they're up on a balcony, right? And like it's like the classic Romeo and Juliet serenading gotcha, gotcha, scene gotcha. Okay. where someone's on the balcony, someone's down below, you know, holding up a boombox, right? I don't think that happens in Romeo and Juliet. I think it did. Okay. Okay. And uh, it was commonly used when a lot of fin- Filipino houses had balconies. Oh, okay. So you're like a quarter, right? Oh, he's looking up at a nest. Yeah. Okay. Here's one. Um, Alex F. submitted a German phrase called Das ist mir Wurst, which means I don't care. But it literally translates to this is sausage to me. <gasps> <laughs> yes. This is sausage to me. Why aren't we using that? I mean, I love that. Hey, man, I, I'm sorry about everything that's been happening to you. Ah, this is sausage to me. <laughs> yes. Okay. No, I'm not done. Everybody, 2021, this is sausage to me. We're bringing it to America. Um, Nicola W. sent an an Australian idiom. Which is stone the bloody crows, which is the equivalent of oh my goodness or wow. Well, stone the crows. I actually have heard that one before. Oh, you have? Yeah, in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. <gasps> what? Pharaoh said, well, stone the crows. This Joseph is a clever kid. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Well, stone the crows. Well, what do you know? I don't know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why. Why it is that? I don't know either. Okay. Um, but the the answer is we we need you, dear listeners, to send in more, more international idioms. Give us more. This is not sausage to me. This is very important. This is snossage to me. <laughs> Which is better than sausage? Well, that means it's like the opposite of is snossage the opposite of sausage. I don't know. Okay. okay. This is broccoli to me. All right, yes. Broccoli is the opposite of sausage. Yes, we can all agree. Caitlin O. sent in the phrase, jump the gun. Now, this one I know. This means, like, um, you you kind of uh, rushed into something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm betting it comes from, like, track and fields. Yes. Uh, it was first used... In races, as early as the 1900s, obviously a gun was shot to symbolize the beginning of the race. The starter and, pistol. Mm-hmm, and you would be penalized uh, before the uh, for starting before the others started before the Yeah, the so uh, like if I was going to come up with like uh, a usage of this, it would be like if you started working on a project before you had all the details. So it would be like, hey, you jumped the gun on this. We're still figuring out... You know, what we're doing. Right. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, this one is uh, sent in by Alex F. And the phrase is, mind your P's and Q's. Now, I know that this means, like, pay attention to the details. No, no, not, no. Not just it's, that. It's, it's best manners. Be on yes. your best manners, right? Best behavior. But right. I don't know why. Um, I mean, lots of reasons. Uh-huh. <laughs> The first one that's pretty widely accepted is that P sounds like P's, 
please, sorry. Uh-huh. P sounds like please. And Q sounds a little like thank you. Like, no, Q, thank I don't you. buy this one. Thank you. I mean, listen, you can say it as cute as you want <laughs> and it works, but I'm not, I, I don't know, maybe. So maybe over time, remember your pleases and thank yous got shorted to mind your P's and Q's. You know what I'm going to bet? It's not that. Because what I always thought, here's what I always thought. Okay. Is like the P and the Q, they're really easy to mistake for one another, like when you're writing. Oh. So it's like pay attention. Like, specifically, let me be clear, lowercase. Yes. And so you need to like pay attention. You know, when I was using my hands to write, who does that What a anymore? weird way to phrase it. No, you mean, I mean I like know, instead hey, of- I know what you meant. <laughs> But it, it sounds like now you, I don't know, put the pen in your ear? No, who uses a pen anymore? I mean, really. I do all the time. Well, I, I use a Sharpie. You use a Sharpie and you write in all capital letters. Yeah. Even the smaller letters are capital letters. Yeah. Anyway. It's easier to read and I'm always excited and <laughs> I'm, I'm, I live my life in emphasis. What I am saying is that when I was doing handwritings... And I don't <laughs> anymore. That is also not true. You write notes all the time. I mean, yeah, but like. Why are you lying to the people at home? I'm just saying I have in the past had a hard time distinguishing between my brain and my hand if it's a B or a D or mm. a P or a Q because they all feel very similar on the way there. See, this is why I always like doing cursive is because you could just kind of over a couple letters and people will be like, I think that says believe. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And no, no, no. I just uh, kind of tied the L and the I directly into the V because <laughs> I couldn't remember where the E went. You're probably right, because way back when, people were um, were deciphering handwritten Latin documents, um, medieval scholars and scribes had kind of an elaborate system mm-hmm. of kind of like a shorthand, right? Like dots and dashes and loops and flourishes and things. <clears throat> and so uh, the uh, – which made interpreting these symbols – a, a little difficult if you didn't know, right? So it was a very careful process, and P's and Q's were very commonly embellished, so led to minding your P's and Q's. I think it's also in my head, I, I, I'm not confused, but it's hard for me to separate in my mind, I guess would be a better way to put it, the like dot every I and cross every T right? to say, like, I'm going to go through this with a fine-tooth comb. Man, that's another... I just that's explained, another one. I just explained an idiom with an idiom and then explained that idiom with another idiom. <laughs> so, like, means I'm going to go through this and really pay attention to make sure there are no mistakes. Hence, right. a fine-tooth comb. Mm-hmm. And then, so that would then explain, <laughs> I'm going to cross every T and dot every I. Right. And then that... Would explain ties into mind your P's and Q's. Oh man! Yeah, this the is English we... language is—it is... really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, another one by Alex F. Thank this you. This sausage to me is so clear <laughs> compared to anything in the English language. What if you really like sausage? This is sausage to me. I don't care. <laughs> See. Thanks, Alex. Uh, So, bite the bullet uh, means to make yourself do something unpleasant, awkward, or difficult, or to be brave in a peculiar situation. Now, 
Okay, I'm going to guess the origin of this because of what it makes me picture, which is someone biting down on a bullet in, like, war times when getting, like, an amputation or something. Yes. So there's... Yes, yes. But it could also be that the wooden sticks that one might also bite down on were called billets. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it's possible that over time, bite the billet uh, evolved into bite the bullet. That makes a lot of sense to me. But like you said, I mean, if you're out in a field hospital, it's much more likely that soldiers would have literal bullets instead of sticks or like leather pads, which was another thing people bid on. Um, because bid on because to be clear, because there was no uh, pain medication, there was no anesthesia, right? And so it was bite down this so that you don't clench your jaw and break your teeth. Well, or, or just you know have something to take your mind off it, yeah. off off what I'm what hurts. Um, and I've been told I I think it was like when I'm getting uh, shots of Novocaine at the dentist, and they say like clench your toes. Mm, yeah, to take, take your mind yeah. off of it. Way better than biting down on wooden sticks. Well, especially if you're getting a shot in your mouth. Oh, especially, yes. Um, but I wouldn't recommend biting on a bullet today because they are much harder than they used to be. Uh, they were pretty malleable at the time. And now if you bite down on a bullet, you might break your teeth. Well, because we're probably talking about more like shot, right? Where it was like a lead... Right. Like round and not like the thing with like the firing cap and the uh, black powder in it. Right. Yes. Yes. Because that's the first thing I pictured. And then it was like, ah, no, it's probably more like bite down on this lead lead pellet. Mm -hmm. Another one from Alex F. Thank you, Alex F. Um, By hook or by crook. Okay. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, here's the thing. I think what this means is we're going to get this done one way or another. Right? Exactly. By any means. And I think it has to do with shepherds. Okay. Well, because a crook is a sh- is another word for a shepherd's staff. If mm-hmm. you've ever seen um, like a, a sarcophagus, right, with like a pharaoh on it, and they're holding that kind of like curved little short staff, mm-hmm. that's a crook. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know where the hook part comes in. Okay, well, so let's rewind this just a little bit. And it goes all the way back to the 1300s. Um, People commonly thank uh, Oliver Cromwell for this phrase. And it's accepted that this idiom is referencing a vow from him where he said he would lay siege to the city of Waterford Island by Hookhead in Wexford, Ireland, or by the nearby village of Crook on the Waterford side. Oh, so I was completely wrong. Well, wait a minute. Okay. Oliver Cromwell was way after the 1300s, right? Uh The Reformation was not in the Middle Ages as the 1300s. So why was it a phrase all the way back then? Well, local people were allowed to collect firewood from public lands. However, they were only allowed to take branches that they could reach with a bill hook or a shepherd's crook. Ah, uh, yeah! From downtown! Uh, that's my you air horn. You sort of almost... Uh, that swish, nothing but net. 
you mentioned a shepherd's crook. Yeah, I did it. Oh, look at all the awards showering down on me. Oh, oh, what am I going to do with all this gold? Let's do some thank you notes. Okay. This week, we want to say a thank you note to Bombas. Listen, socks, they're great. Everybody knows that. But maybe you haven't thought of socks as a perfect gift or the perfect way to give back. But actually, Bombas socks were made to give and give back because for every pair of socks Bombas sells, they donate a pair to someone experiencing homelessness across the U.S. Bombas spent years perfecting every detail, like eliminating those annoying toe seams, making sure their socks never slip, and creating a special midfoot support system. So wearing them feels like, uh, I love slipping into them because they, what, okay, here's the thing. They feel like firm that's got a good it clings to your foot hugs your foot oh that's it hugs your foot without being too tight it just feels like you want it to feel when you put on a new pair of socks except it feels that way every time you put it on no matter how many times you've washed it it supports your feet it feels like a second skin folks i love bomba socks uh i i've been slowly replacing my other socks with them I love Bombas. And Bombas comes in tons of different colors and styles, including athletic performance socks, limited edition holiday socks, and merino wool socks. So from comfort to kindness and everything in between, Bombas aren't just givable, they were made to give. Go to bombas.com slash schmanners today and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash schmanners. Bombas.com slash schmanners. Now, for many of us, the holidays will look different this year. Uh, Family and friend reunions might not be the same, but that shouldn't stop us from feeling close. And this is why I want to tell you and think about StoryWorth. I want to tell you about and think. That's what I meant to say. (laughs) I want to tell you about and think StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's a fun new way to engage with family, especially those you can't see in person. This is amazing. You know, now that uh, Teresa and I have had kids, I'm thinking more and more about like the legacy about stories, about sharing these experiences with our family, with our friends, right? Because, uh, you know, when when they get older, I want them to be able to look back and and read these things, see these memories, you know, experience these, these things that I went through. That's why StoryWorth is so amazing. Every week, StoryWorth emails your family members different story prompts, questions you've never thought to ask, like, if you could see the future, what would you want to find out? Stuff like that. And after one year, StoryWorth will compile all your stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. So give your loved ones the gift of spending time together wherever you live with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash schmanners, and you'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash schmanners to get $10 off. Well, hello, I'm Renee Colvert. Hi, I'm Alexis Preston, and we are the hosts of Can I Pet Your Dog? And we got breaking news, we got an expose, and all the beans have been spilled via an Apple podcast review that said, this show isn't well-researched. <gasps> well, yeah, no duh. Of course it's not. 
Not since the day we started has it been well-researched. Guessing and anthropomorphizing dogs is what we do. The Can I Pet Your Dog promise is that we will never do more than 10 seconds of research before telling you excitedly about any dog we see. I'm going to come at you with top 10 enthusiasm, minimal facts. We're here for a good time, not an educated time. So if you love dogs and you don't love research, well, <laughs> you know what? Come on in to Can I Pet Your Dog podcast every Tuesday on Maximum Fun Network. <laughs> More idioms. This was suggested by... A little bitium of idioms. Okay. Uh-huh. This and... was suggested by a person whose email name is Box From Wherever or Box of Grenades. And we don't know who they are, but they're cool. Yep. Uh, the phrase is, in a pickle. Okay, so in a pickle means like you've gotten yourself into quite a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, usually not just like a problem, but more just like, well, this is a very like convoluted, there's a lot going on here and it's going to be kind of hard to get yourself out of it. It's a difficult choice for certain. Um, so Shakespeare is normally credited with this. Because uh, that guy loved pickles. No. Well, what happened was this. He loved pickles and one night he couldn't resist, and he snuck into the local pickle factory, and he got stuck inside one of those jars. And I'm not talking about that Seth Rogen movie. I'm talking about, like, a normal-sized jar of pickles. He got stuck in there, got Shakespeare in a jar, and he got jarred barred. That's what happened, and he found himself in a real pickle jar. That's what happened. You can read about it at your local library. Books. Check them out. Books. Check them out. Read about Shakespeare and jars and electric guitars. Cops that work hard patrolling the boulevard. Books. Check them out. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that I would just let you go and eventually you would stop because you never stop. No, you see, never stop. Because here's what the people at home don't see is I saw you breaking. <laughs> I saw I could see you like working so hard not to laugh. And so, of course, I'm going to push it. Oh, I was trying so hard. Okay. I know. It pops up in The Tempest. That's when. Really? Yep. Mm hmm. Uh, and it comes from the Dutch or Low German word pikel, which means something piquant, which means pleasantly sharp taste. Um, so originally, the phrase was an allusion to a person being disoriented or mixed up, right? So that makes sense in The Tempest. If you're in oh, a yeah. pickle, you're disoriented. There's a lot of that in that play. That's kind of what the whole play is. Absolutely. Um, and. This was likened to a stew of pickled vegetables, right? Okay. Um, so if someone describes you as pickled, it could mean that you're drunk as well because alcohol was sometimes used as a preservative in the pickling process. Well, I mean, so this is very convoluted. Uh, There's So like a pickled of... stew where it's all mixed up, right? Yeah. This is the idea of like because it has been pickled and kind of lost a lot of its uh, like consistency that now sure. it's hard to tell the individual pieces from it and it's all mixed up and all. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's probably what that guy was going for. It seems as plausible as any of these other sort of things. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you the honest truth? Like, if you hadn't told me that, what I would have thought was that it comes from, like, it being hard to open the jar. Huh. Of just like, oh, how am I going to get the pickle? I'm, I'm in a pickle. It's like, a, you know, like, I can't open the jar. Huh. That's what I would have guessed. But, like, that's at best maybe, like, 1920s, you know? like I, Well, I mean, they had jars, just not, like, jars that we have. I mean... 
screw top jars, you're right, were a lot later. But everybody got jars. Everybody's got jars. All right. So here is one suggested by Dave, and the phrase is catch 22. Now, I know what this means. Mm -hmm. Um, It means that something that is in and of itself disproves itself. Like, right? So it's something that you would say, like, well, if this, then this. But if that, then the first thing couldn't be true. It's a catch-22. Right? So it's one of the, like, for example, if somebody says, um, if you're worried that you're losing your mind, you're not losing your mind. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that actually is the the crux of the origin as well. Um, It comes from Joseph Heller's classic novel, Catch-22, published in 1961. It takes place during World War II, and a soldier asks to be taken out of combat for psychological reasons. The official he goes to tells him that because he doesn't want to fight, that's proof that he's sane enough to fight. After all, no one in their right mind wants to participate in war. When that soldier asks about another pilot who clearly seems to relish the danger and violence of combat, the doctor says that he is actually incredibly qualified to be grounded. Um, But the very act of asking to be removed from duty would prove that he was sane enough to realize the awful things he was doing. It's a catch-22. A paradox which seems impossible to break. Yes. Yeah. A catch 20. That's the thing is what's so this is another example of when I'm trying to think of a way to explain catch 22. All I can think of is, you know, it's like a catch 22. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, when, you know, when you say something and you're like, oh, let's say catch 22, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think I, I use this very often. I'm trying to remember. I think it's something that I probably use ironically a lot. Like, I you know Justin and Griffin and I on My Brother, My Brother and Me, like, for example, we'll reference, uh, like, O. Henry's uh, Gift of the Magi a lot uh-huh. in an incorrect way, ah, right? And so yes. it'll be like, ah, I catch 22. I'm like, that's not a catch 22. <laughs> right? Like that, <laughs> that, I think, is the only time I actually use it. Okay. The next one is uh, submitted by Adam H. Uh, the phrase is, like comparing apples to oranges. Well, obviously, this means you're trying to compare two things which cannot be compared because they have such different qualities. Okay, wait a minute. Now, this is Adam's point. They're both fruit. They're both round. They're a little similar. Why is it so bad to compare them? Well, I think the point would be the flavor. It's not comparing... They're both sweet. Well, but it's not comparing them in all things. I always think about it in terms of like... You wouldn't, like, take a bite out of an apple and take a bite out of an orange and say, which one's the better apple or which one's the better orange? Because they're different fruit. They're different things. So you can't rate them against each other because they have different quality. It's like... uh, But what if I said to you, apples to oysters? Now, those, those are two very different things. Is that actually what it is? Yes. Uh, The phrase first showed up in... a collection of proverbs in 1670, and it was known as comparing apples to oysters. Okay. Those are admittedly very much different. Much more different. Um, but the phrase spread to different regions of the world and evolved to different fruits. Okay. So the Spanish phrase is apples to pears, 
Apples and, and pears. Apples and pears. What's it, that from? I think I thought it was Eddie Izzard, but oh. I'm, I think that it's a cockney thing for stairs. Oh, yeah, makes sense. There's a lot of rhyming in that. Yes. Um, but the French are the ones who started saying apples to oranges in 1889. Um, but like I said, apples to oysters makes a lot more sense to me. See, now you've made me think about the phrase, the world is your oyster. And I don't maybe pry it open and there's a pearl inside. Hmm. The world is your oyster is like you have so much possibility. Like, just go out there and, and do it. The world's your oysters. You can have anything you want. Now I don't know why. Okay. Why are we oyster? Okay. I will talk another one while you look that up. This was submitted by Iris S. And the phrase is bugger for a lark. Um, it's a British phrase. Uh, it's a very a common uh, variation on bugger it, which is a phrase used to imply frustration or admission of defeat, like like that you messed something up, um, or even that something isn't worth doing. Um, here's the thing. This is one of those that it, we would probably say try and eliminate from your vocabulary. It was first used in the 1550s, and at best, it meant someone who was a heretic. And at worst, it meant someone who was accused of sodomy. So bugger is a derogatory term um, for a piece of also a person of Bulgarian descent because they it seems were... It bad all around. Yeah, yeah. And the word was used in the, in the more bigoted notions... In uh, the Eastern Orthodox Christians, so let's cut that one right out. Cutting it out, it's it's been softened into just kind of like low language in Britain, um, but it's meant to be an annoying or unpleasant person. Yeah, but it's a lot meaner than you think it is. I fi- I figured I found it out. Okay, where's your oyster? You'll never guess who coined it. William Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. Well, you said I'd never guess. So I, know, but I thought I, I, about I, I was, Shakespeare. Yeah, I was being ironic. Yeah. I was being sarcastic. I was being flippant. Well, but I did a, a, did a, a bad because I thought that it was Shakespeare, but you said I'd never guess. So it couldn't be Shakespeare, but it was Shakespeare. <laughs> Who's the murderer? It's not me. <laughs> it is me. But you said it wasn't you. <laughs> um, sorry, it's from Boss Workers. Um, so a world, the world is your oyster means like, uh, you know, like there's so much possibility. The, the future is yours. You can have it all. It's from uh, Mary Wives of Windsor. Uh. Um, Falstaff says to Pistol, I will not lend thee a penny. To which Pistol replies, why then the world's mine oyster, which I will, which I with sword will open. Meaning like, well, you want to help me with the world? I will make my wealth on my own. Oh, okay. And go and with my sword will pry it open and get the money myself. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that in the way that we use it today, it seems like it would be a lot easier. But shucking oysters is difficult. It's very hard. Yeah. Well, I think that that's what it's supposed to mean. It's like the world's your oyster. Go out and make your own way. Make your own wealth. You can do this. But I think about the world's my oyster. I'm going to go out and have a great time doing it. Right. It's but like the world's your oyster. Is like, it's there. Take it. But I don't think that's, that's not exactly what, That's there. the brass ring. Grab well, the brass well, ring. We know the brass ring is from uh, merry-go-rounds. Yes. 
have we talked about this before on the show? I think so. Okay, in case we haven't. It used to be <laughs> hanging around merry-go-rounds were literal brass rings. And if you could reach out and grab them while you were on the merry-go-round, you got a free ride on the merry-go-round. Right. But the thing is, merry-go-rounds used to go very fast. <laughs> so it was hard to get them. And if you grabbed one, you there was a chance you might break your arm. That happened a lot. That's why they stopped doing it. So fast. They're so fast. <laughs> Go and visit the, the Carousel Museum in Sandusky, Ohio, and yeah. you can ride one at the original speed. It is Very so fast. fast. They're a thrill ride, folks. It's a thrill ride. I had Travis try and take a picture of me as I was going around, and I'm like sliding off. It's so fast. She has a very scared face. In the photo. <laughs> we'll see if we can find it. That's going to do it for us. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to say that sometimes I say the world is your ostrich, which I think is very funny and makes no sense. (laughs) It does. I like it when you say that. The world's your ostrich. Pry it open. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a very silly show. It's been a very silly one. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Let's see. We've got a a couple important announcements. First, the Candle Night special. Normally, we do this as a live show in our hometown, but of course, right now, we can't do that. So instead, we're doing it as a pre-recorded, but trust me, very, very special Candle Night Spectacular, December 19th, 8 p.m. Uh, there, It's got video segments from My Brother, My Brother, and Me, Sawbones, Schmanners, wonderful, still buffering, neat, and special guests. Tickets are pay what you want with a $6.25 minimum. All pre- proceeds go to Harmony House, which is a wonderful organization in our hometown. Uh, you can get those tickets at bit.ly slash candlelights2020. Um, oh, uh, right now on the McElroy YouTube channel, uh, the entire series of Taste of Luxury is up. It's a TV show that Justin made with uh, our friend Dwight Slappy, uh, and it's about Justin and Dwight trying to achieve a luxury lifestyle on a not-so-luxury budget. It's very, very good. Go check that out. We're doing a book launch event for our how-to podcast book, Everybody Has a Podcast Except You, January 26th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a free virtual event. We partner with six independent bookstores, and if you pre-order from them, you'll get an exclusively designed book plate signed by one of us, me, Justin, or Griffin, with your copy while supplies last. Go to bit.ly slash podcast book event for bookstore links and more event info. Um, let's see. What else? Go check out all the other great merch on macroymerch.com, all the other great shows on maximumfun.org. You can pre-order the Adventure Zone Crystal Kingdom, uh, book four of our graphic novel series at theadventurezonecomic.com. Uh, the Sawbones book comes out in paperback December 29th. Uh, you can get that at bit.ly slash sawbones paperback. And I think that's enough for now. That's so much. We have so many irons in the fire, y'all. There's a and lot going on. That's another idiom. Oh, Oh, boy, you're right. <laughs> uh, we also want to uh, encourage you to go to McElroy Family, uh, McElroy.Family. Check out all the other Max, Max, McElroy products there. <laughs> oh, my God. My brain's all twisted around. Hey, we'd also like to thank Brent, Brentel Floss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where there's a found. Thank you to Kayla and Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. Uh, that is at Cast. That's where we get our questions. Are you laughing because you're petting my arm <laughs> like am. a cat? Yeah. Okay. Um, and thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. And thank you, of course, to Alex, a researcher without whom we would not be able to make this show. Please submit more idioms. We love doing these shows. Schmannerscast at gmail.com. And that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners. Get it.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.